0: Hello, I'm Zeb Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, the topic today is about the so-called patient experience, and we're going to touch upon the issue of trust in healthcare. Our guest today is John Bostler, who is the Chief Experience Officer for the National VA. That is the entire VA system. I heard John speak at a symposium a, a couple of months ago and was surprised and impressed by how the VA is once again a leader in advancing our healthcare delivery system. As some of you may know, I've been interviewing leaders from the VA and I'm constantly surprised by what the VA is, which is fundamentally, from my perspective, a hotbed of innovation and transformation and leadership in healthcare delivery. I was also so impressed with, inspired by, and and a little blown away by John Boesler himself as a person. He's the real deal. And I'm so excited to introduce you to him today. John, welcome to Creating a New Healthcare. And and again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much uh, for having me. It's great to be on with y'all.
0: My pleasure. And John, I don't want to take it for granted that people understand what a chief experience officer is or that we actually even have chief experience officers in hospital systems and healthcare systems and in the VA. So what exactly is a chief experience officer? What's your major purpose? Why does that role exist? And maybe some of the kind of more higher level typical goals for, for a chief experience officer.
1: Yeah, no, thanks so much, Zev. And I think it is it is a burgeoning field, especially in the government, which you don't see a ton of us out there. There are more, more than there used to be, at least a few years ago. Uh, but it is such uh, an important field for any business, whether you're private sector, public sector, nonprofit, healthcare, any type of in- industry, we all should be thinking the way about how our customers consume information and, and then how they not only become our customers, but stay our customers for life. Uh, and so that's how we think about it at VA. And so my role is to ensure that the voice of the customer is at every table. So not just, you know, the insights, whether that's survey insights or human-centered design insights, qualitative or quantitative, at the local level in one of our 1,200 facilities across the country, but also at the higher leadership levels and even at the table with the secretary and all the assistant secretaries and undersecretaries to ensure that we as an organization, we as an agency, are thinking about how we design our programs around veterans and their families. So uh, that's, that's kind of a, a, a 10,000 foot view of like the role of uh, the chief customer experience officer is to ensure that voice of the customer is always there. And we do that in a lot of different ways. Not only am I responsible for relaying all of the quantitative and qualitative insights. So millions of survey responses um, that include you know both the Likert scale and qualitative feedback of which of which we conduct service recovery on every day, but also a lot of our human centered design insights and that's really aimed at improving different mm-hmm. business lines and improving the way the ways uh, and channels that veterans and their families communicate with us and access our programs and services. And I'm also responsible for, almost like as the chief marketing officer. So mm-hmm. we, we do customer communication. So we use all of those insights to specifically tailor our messaging from the enterprise level to our customer base in order to acquire and retain more into our system because we know that it's the best care and benefits that they can get in order to honor their service. So lots of different moving pieces and parts, but uh, those are, that's kind of the high level of what, what we do.
0: Yeah, I really love that, John. I've I've not heard that before. But your purpose is to bring the voice of the customer at every table. Make sure that it's at every table. I just love that that image, and thank you for sharing that and, and stating it that way. As you're speaking, I was I literally was asking myself the question: How is this different than a chief marketing officer? It seems like there's a, quite a bit of overlap. Do you Do you all have a chief marketing officer? Or do you, because of the uniqueness of the VA, do you serve in part in that role?
1: I do serve in part in that role um, because we have some of the main channels that we communicate with our customers and receive feedback from our customers and our employees. That that's that's a lot of what we we do. So in terms of our single telephonic front door, one eight hundred my VA four one one is the the never the wrong number. It's the best way to access VA care and benefits. We steward that contact center at the kind of the tier one level for the enterprise, and then we we also communicate to our customers in a one, once a week essentially via an e-newsletter that goes out to about 14 million subscribers that not only includes our information but information about community and nonprofit partners and other for-profit companies that are offering uh, different things for veterans and their families there are many other ways we text message we you know we we receive the surveys we have community engagement boards at every Tactical level across all twelve hundred facilities. So you name it, we've got it, and we use all those insights to improve the overall experience.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a whole world. It's so impressive that the VA has that. There are a number of sort of unique things that I'd I'd love to inquire about in the course of our dialogue. One of them is your background, and it clearly came across in the presentation I attended. At the Patient Experience Symposium back in Boston a couple of months ago. And I was wondering if you could share your background and how that informs your personal and professional mission as the Chief Experience Officer at the VA.
1: Yeah, no, thank you very much. You know, I, I get to secret shop because I'm also a patient of VA and I'm also a customer. I've used several of the different benefits programs, including like the GI Bill for my education benefits and disability compensation benefits. So I've been through those experiences. And then I use VA, like I mentioned, for all of my healthcare. I don't have private health insurance because I firmly believe that my care is more coordinated, more efficient and better overall than my experience um, previously having used private health insurance. And uh, it's it, so so I get to secret shop as the chief experience officer and none of my providers know know, what I do for a living, but I think that's the way it should be, you know, like I should be, be able to be uh, consume that experience uh, internally as, uh, you know, as a, as an individual customer, but also, you know, before I came here, I helped my, in my last company, I helped design different ways that technology can help individuals, especially underserved individuals access different social services and health related social needs in the community. So not just provided by the government, but all nonprofit and community-based organizations and healthcare systems to really address the social determinants of health. And I think that digital and and mobile experience that I had in launching different applications and and user testing, all the different ways, pathways that uh, we were building the technology platforms really kind of incentivized me to take this role because I'm kind of a, a unicorn kind of type of position where I can not only experience the system myself, but I also have a lot of skills and experience in the field of user testing and user design and technology development that I think can help VA prepare for and design for the younger generations like our Gen Z and millennial customers that you know may trust VA a whole lot less than their counterparts over 50 60 and especially 70 so how might we better design for our future customers and think about reorienting our our overall funnel so that's uh that that's kind of a little bit about my background in addition to having served in the marine corps and a number of other government positions but also in the private sector
0: wow that's great how long if you don't mind my asking how long have you been a veteran
1: Wow, I I it's I don't think about that that often. <laughs> uh, I got out in of uh, the Marine Corps in two thousand seven, so I've been out for quite a while now, and and that's uh, enabled me to, like I said, kind of upskill and use my GI Bill benefits and get a couple of degrees and get into the private sector. So I've been out of the Marine Corps way longer than I was in. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. So your your experience using the VA system as your healthcare provider. Is going on here? It's uh, fifteen years or something like that,
1: right? Yeah, I probably yes. interacted with the VA in two thousand nine for the first time, so yeah. or even before that as a student. So indirectly, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And in terms of your technical professional background, it it, it sounds like you have a technical background, and and it's uh, it, you know I'd forgotten you had also been engaged in doing some of this work around social determinants of health even prior to the VA.
1: Yes. And the technical piece is really, really understanding, once again, that voice of the customer, that voice of the user, whether that's an employee Mm -hmm. or a client or a customer or somebody who's trying to use and access these systems. It's really about designing better ways for them to access and then working hand in hand with the engineers, hand in hand with the CTOs of, of the organizations I've been in. To mm-hmm. develop those pathways, develop those journeys, so that we are able to increase access for yeah. for them all, and, and and at the same time improve their outcomes as well. Yeah. So, uh, but before that, I was more into public administration and really building mm-hmm. systems that ensure that you know we get the whole of the organization oriented around those individuals and those using those insights.
0: Yeah, I'm going to circle back maybe towards the end around the technology because I have a, I have a question around that for you, but. But you know one of the surprising things about your story and and again listening to you speak a couple of months ago and the journey that the VA has been on is the explicit focus on the issue of trust and I've heard other leaders talk about trust but you all did more than that you actually measured it and did something to improve it and I I know you had a brilliant slide that had a timeline of what the VA has been doing and the patient experience, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was amazing to see that timeline and for you to break it down. I wonder if you could isolate the trust one and and if you want to then go back and and fill it in with some of the other initiatives, but the trust one really gripped me. It's interesting that you, you all have been focused on it for some time. It's an issue that's come up repeatedly over the last year or so for me, as I've listened to organizations talk about trust. In fact, I was in a symposium with another organization and the entire theme was trust so i think you guys really hit upon something could you go back and tell us that story
1: sure yeah and i think in, in many ways the va was ahead of maybe the private sector and of course the public sector in developing trust as a as a measure as a north star instead of a net promoter system i mean it, it's measured similarly however it uses trust as you know, if you don't trust an organization, then why would you buy or, or sell from them? Or why would you access benefits or care in the VA's case? And I think it's a better, in, in many ways, it's a better way to determine um, your overall value, your brand value to customers and, and their families, um, as opposed to, or maybe in addition to other regular CSAT scores, customer satisfaction scores, or net promoter scores, NPS scores. Mm-hmm. So, we started measuring trust, ease, effectiveness, and emotion So, uh, in 2016. So I'll go back to the scores here in a second. Let me explain trust, ease, effectiveness, and emotion first. So trust is our North Star. But ease, e- was it easy for you to park at the facility? Was it easy for you to navigate to the clinic or to the benefits office that you're seeking care or information from? Effectiveness, do you understand what your provider is telling you? and emotion. Do you feel respected in that encounter? And then finally, trust. Do you trust VA to deliver the care and benefits that you have so rightly earned? And all of these insights plug into our quarterly trust report that we publish on va.gov trust that breaks it down by gender and age and demographics, et cetera. And when we started measuring it in 2016, we found out that only 55% of veterans trusted VA which is not great. You know, that's a D minus for sure. Like definitely. And, what, and John,
0: what, what year was that?
1: 2016. So uh, uh, almost a year after our, the Veterans Experience Office, the first of its kind in government, federal, the federal government was created. We just started to start measuring trust as a quarterly, similar to how net promoter scores are, re- are measured quarterly. We are now measuring trust. We started measuring trust in 2016, trustees, effectiveness and emotion, in that year on a quarterly basis of a, of a sample size of about 40,000 veterans. And since then, in 2016, trust has risen from 55% to 79%, wow. which is pretty incredible. And and even, even though, as I mentioned, it's not exactly this, this, the same thing as a net promoter score, we're now competing and, and benchmarking ourselves uh, you know, against some of the best-in-class Private sector and public sector organizations, and I think we're we're well on the way to to becoming one of the best. Our aspirational goal Mm -hmm. for trust is ninety percent. So we believe veterans and their families deserve nothing less than an A. And so it's we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And, And in addition to the quantitative, you know, Likert scale measures of trust, ease, effectiveness, and emotion we published the first veterans journey map a year prior to that first trust survey going out in 2015. And for the first time, I think as a veteran, as a customer of the VA, I felt like the agency actually understood the pain points, the bright spots and the moments that matter along my own life journey. And I think that resonated with a lot of us veterans who were like reluctant to engage the VA and access the VA for services and care. And since then, we have done 75 different business line analysis, whether that's a a service blueprint or a journey map or personas or all kinds of different products that have led to a better experience. And so kind of in tandem with the scores going up, we've been hard at work designing for our customers and then training our employees to deliver a world-class experience based on the quantitative and qualitative data provided.
0: I love that veterans journey map and and it sounds like you're really again looking at it from like what are the the rough spots the potholes and and how do we smooth them over and then even more than that what, what are the opportunities where we can actually really go beyond and and wow you know with an experience is that am I capturing that
1: Absolutely we want to you know we we firmly believe that If we're going to deliver a world-class customer experience, we also have to deliver a world-class employee experience. So we have Mm -hmm. to give our 450,000 employees the tools and the training to to deliver that and to ensure that they're a big part of that great customer experience a veteran may have.
0: Thank you for saying that because I've heard this from some other stellar chief experience officers and I think it's so important. I mean, how do we expect, like you said, you know, providers and staff and employees, and how do we expect people to care for other people when they themselves don't feel cared for? And, and that sounds like that's a pivotal core foundational part of your approach. Could you give an example of how you approach that or how you think about that or what you're doing in that regard?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We invested in it when I, about two years ago. I thought it was so important to stand up an employee experience portfolio for the the enterprise. There were pockets of excellence here and there across the administrations and staff offices, but really kind of codifying it, moving forward and bringing all of these practices that we had learned on the customer experience side into benefit our employees. And so we had been training employees for eight years and developing and in tandem with the trust scores going up, of course, and things have, that's why things have gotten so much better because they're conducting Mm -hmm. service recovery on these surveys that are these responses, et cetera. And they are delivering that own the moment kind of feeling when you walk into a, a VA, but, you know, we need to ensure that they, to your point feel valued and that they are invested in. And so now we use, e-signals so v-signals is our veteran signals our survey platform for customers we've now deployed e-signals or employee signals we now have a year's worth of data in a similar way like quarterly snapshot in addition to our annual employee survey we're now getting quarterly snapshots which really kind of deliver a different sentiment that yes focus on trust and ease but also like responsiveness of your chain of command whether you would recommend a friend or family member to work at VA and uh, what your purpose looks like. And that's always the highest measure is purpose, because of course we have the best mission in government, the best mission in the world. So, so we're using a lot of these attributes, not only on the quantitative side, but we've also developed like new employee welcome kits, just like we have our veteran welcome kits. We're doing new employee buddy programs. So not a mentor program, but like a buddy who's your same grade or rank so that they can be a a listening post for you while you're and help you navigate some of the administrative burdens because onboarding is one of the, you know, the more challenging experiences that government employees or any private sector employees really have too. So we're trying to really wow them in their onboarding experience and then think about progression too. So there's a lot of neat, neat stuff that we're doing um, collectively in employee experience. And I think as we progress in that, as we see the scores rise on the employee experience, we're also gonna see even more market improvements on the customer side.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. And I might've missed this, but are, are you also using the trust index or trust survey for employees or, or using different quantitative measures?
1: Yeah, it's actually uh, several other domains, like I mentioned. So responsiveness, like your chain of command, how responsive are they to your needs, to your, uh, to your experience? trust, yes, but purpose in Mm. making sure that we are evaluating that and also evaluating, you know, ease and effectiveness in addition to trust. But it's slightly different the way we word our questions toward employees because it is a different experience.
0: You know, there's a little bit of crossover here into another large initiative in the VA that I've written about, which is the whole health or whole person initiative. Oh, yeah. And therefore, I've, I've had the, the privilege of interviewing Dr. Ben Clickler and speaking to others about it. In fact, I, I wrote a whole chapter in my book about this topic. And I'm just curious because there the core is exactly that. It's it's kind of what matters to you is the fundamental question. They're asking patients and you know, what's important to you in your life and how do we help you get there? And your health is really in service of your purpose, in service of what matters to you in your life. I'm just wondering, have you partner with them? Are you learning from them? It, it just sounds so, so related. I just, that's what made me think about that question for you. Yes.
1: Yeah. Dr. Dr. Klegler and I speak quite often and <laughs> inter, we have intersecting fields of fire as Marines would say, right? Uh, right. So Ben and his team on the whole health side have been really fundamentally changing the way that that we treat and understand our workforce, which also are veterans. So now veterans can have a whole health coach, which can then, it's multidisciplinary, so they can get access to not only someone who can plug them into social work or specialty care or uh, any other types of uh, different rehabilitative programs, uh, but somebody that's there to kind of just stay with them across their journey. and. I think that's that's absolutely critical from the whole health standpoint. We're also doing some interesting things as it relates to defining what well-being means to veterans mm-hmm. and their families. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's different like takes on this, right? And different definitions. But VA has set up a whole integrated project team to help define what well-being means to us and means to our veterans. So we've interviewed veterans, we've interviewed employees. And so our my team has helped. Ben's team really kind of developed the voice of the customer and the voice of the employee, the employee around that. And then, of course, we're working on our social determinants of health framework uh, collective, which is really thinking about how might we better arm and empower our facility leaders to engage with and create Memorandums of understanding, like legal relationships with food banks and trans metropolitan transit authorities and housing organizations that can address the health related social needs outside of what VA can provide, so that we can get these veterans not only more well, but also back to their next appointments because they have transportation issues or food security issues or employment or legal issues. So, lots of great crossover there with Whole Health. In fact, I was just in Tampa. VA Medical Center earlier this week and met with the Thrive team, which is one of the subcomponents of the whole health program that Dr. Kligler oversees. And they're now scaling what started out as an employee whole health initiative, 14-week initiative to scale, to to serve more veterans with the same 14-week curriculum, which is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I just am so glad to hear this. And I applaud you for for really working together in this way because in so many initiatives you, you see it's so siloed and the fact that you are working together and helping each other is just it's brilliant i am so curious though in terms of the you're working with ben and others on the whole health and and that notion of defining the well-being any early insights you could share with us around that
1: oh that's a good one uh it's, i i've seen a tough the cursory one. insights i think yeah you know i was expecting because we're defining well-being right i I was like oh this won't be too long Mm um to until we have results Mm -hmm. but no apparently it's it's more intense than i thought in terms of how we're that that we're very very intentional about it so i don't think we're going to see the final results until next year next calendar year uh i don't know when that's a great question for ben maybe i should ask him because we did the cursory insight analysis of course but uh um, which I, I got to see, but it didn't actually show the final ways that we'll define it. But yeah, but they, yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll circle back with him and take that one and, and report back.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. I don't want to geek out too much on this because I've, I've got a, a bunch of other questions that I'd love to ask you and share with, with the folks who are listening. But it, it is, as you're saying that, this is an area of, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about researching and actually trying in my own work to build and, and stand up. It's so customized and in some ways so personalized and so contextual, clearly for different people coming from different backgrounds and different cultures and at different ages and different genders, well-being can be quite, quite specific and even within the same person at different points in their life. And so it seems to me that it's almost the type of situation where rather than define it. It's really about discovering in that person at this point in their life, given their contextual situation, how is well-being defined. It, it, it is almost the type of thing you'd want, like an artificial intelligence, to actually help you with because it's just so complicated, and there are probably so many factors and so many things to be picked up. But I'm, I just find it fascinating, and I, again, nothing more than just total respect and appreciation for the fact that you're you're working on it. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. No, I think we're. I'm very excited to see you know, what the insights, you know, reveal and how that better prepares his team to help define that and move forward in, in launching more of their programs.
0: Yeah. Are you familiar with too, and this is kind of funny, but I did write a chapter in Beyond the Walls book I just published on contextual care, which came directly out of the VA. Once again, to a physician and a, and a researcher, Dr. Saul Wiener and Alan Schwartz have spent, uh, I think, over two decades now Doing doing amazingly brilliant research, clinical research, highly published, and now part of a a company that brought their work into and 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 automated it. I mean, they coined the term "contextual care" and "contextual barriers." Anyway, curious if you had heard about that because it's within the VA.
1: No, no, I haven't. I know they've done some research on it, but I mean, I haven't actually seen anything recently. And so I'd, I'd be interested to see where that is now. It sounds like they're not in VA anymore, but. You know, yeah. so much research is produced every year and I, you know, I know that we need to take as much advantage of it as we can and, and really drive more insights to action.
0: Yeah, Now it's every time and I, I've had the opportunity to interview a bunch of other folks, some of whom I'm going I'm to actually post soon and, and some more I'm interviewing. I just, I don't quite understand it, but yeah, I think the VA is one of the greatest kept secrets in American healthcare.
1: Yes, and we're, I think we need to get better at that, right? Mm-hmm. At <laughs> telling our story
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can increase trust and, and thereby increase access for more veterans and their families. And I think one of the best stories that we can tell is because data, well, data can be used in many different ways, right? But the data that we don't even report on that we are subject to, like every other private health system, the Center for Medicaid, Medicare and Medicare Mm-hmm. the CMS H caps and SHEP scores, you know, the earlier this year, VA when benchmark against our private sector or nonprofit healthcare systems, we had more five-star VA facilities at se- like 70% of VA facilities were now five-star compared to like 40% of private sector or nonprofit uh, healthcare uh, systems, which I think tells the whole story. It tells it, it, it kind of, you know, in, in a way, drives a different narrative. But we need to get better about telling our own story and using some, you know, and not only anecdotal evidence, but hard, you know, data evidence from hundreds of thousands of veterans, millions of veteran insights that is called for that study to, to really kind of paint a better picture so that we can increase trust and improve access.
0: And, and you've, you know, in our correspondence, you actually mentioned something about this, that part of what you're trying to do is help to change the narrative on the VA and also on veterans. And you mentioned something about a civic health index. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think another secret, another very good kept secret is, is something that is a study that is done using the census data every year, our combination of a couple different measures, but mostly in the census bureau. It's called the Veteran Civic Health Index. That really shows not only are veterans more likely to volunteer in their communities, to to know and speak with their uh, their neighbors, which is an interesting measure, hmm. but to vote more, to be leaders in civic organizations, to volunteer more, and reporting volunteer hours, to earn more in their careers, and to be more educated, which is. Fantastic, you know, and and I think a lot of folks, when you know, you read certain news articles, you you may not get that picture because it's 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 um, focused sometimes on on the, the negative narrative around veterans. But I think a lot of us want to continue to yes address, you know, as many things as we can in terms of improving negative health and economic outcomes. That's what we're here to do every day, but. Mm-hmm. By the way, the majority, the vast majority of the veteran population is civically more healthy than the rest of the population, and I think by comparison, you know, the VA system, when like I mentioned, as we as we benchmark ourselves against other healthcare systems, at least, uh, you're, you're, our our patients are reporting far better trust and experience measures than all others. So it's it's really an incredible thing and and this is why we need to do we need to do more of these podcasts so I appreciate you having me on
0: yeah no i i hope people are hearing what you're saying i mean the, this benchmark comparison of patient experience scores better in the va system than in the private and public sector i would not have known that i would not have guessed that to be true so that's really amazing and you mentioned before I just wanted to so important i think in this conversation Is also the issue of the social determinants of health that you brush by this quickly is something about the the framework that the VA uses around. So I'm really curious because social determinants of health is such a hot topic now. We're all now being required in hospital systems and provider groups to to assess for the social determinants of health at least on an annual basis and and have some resources available. And again, I think most people are aware now. We're in the broader conversation. We're talking about the non-clinical factors that determine most of health outcomes, like education and employment, and and the ability to have transportation and food and and safe housing and affordability of that and 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 safe neighborhoods, and so those are the these larger social determinants of health. I, I'm curious how you how you all see that in the VA and what you're doing about that.
1: Yes, and and uh, I think the White House convened the Sync for Social Needs a few years ago. It really helped us narrow down which health-related social needs we would focus on. So looking at food, transportation, utilities, interpersonal safety, and housing as our kind of five major domains for social drivers of health. So we've renamed ours to social drivers instead of social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. And then the health-related social needs um, that we can then deliver or, or help address for our veterans and their families. So we set up an integrated project team coming from that Sync for social needs experience at the white house, knowing that there would be more firm policy. I think the social determinants of health playbook is actually being put out this week. So be on the lookout for it mm. by the white house, which is very exciting, but that the, wow. the results of that multi-year effort but as we take it kind of a step down in the VA system, which by the way is the largest integrated healthcare system in the country, how might we not only deliver better outcomes for our veterans by connecting them to these social services external to our facilities, but also become leaders, innovative leaders in the space, at really driving change? And so we set up this veteran social determinants or social drivers of health framework. Uh, My co-chair is Dr. Rena Duseja, who comes from CMS, and they're kind of stewarding a lot of this work across the whole country. And so taking advantage of her knowledge and my knowledge on the user side, you know, we're leading this kind of this enterprise wide effort that not only involves healthcare experts, but benefits experts as well. And the, one of the first milestones we achieved in one of our working groups was essentially doing a landscape analysis of all the social determinants of health screeners being currently used in the system, which we found several. And found which one was actually the best in terms of the employee and clinic, clinician experience, but also had ties to the best outcomes as far as we knew and we found that the acorn screener um it's an acronym like everything is in government but the acorn screener was our the chosen one and so now we have gotten concurrence through our governance process to now have acorn as the standard social sdoh screener across Mm -hmm. the system which was a massive milestone for such a big system as you know and now what we're doing is we're taking a lot of the insights that we've gleaned from this work and codifying into one of our community playbooks that all of our facilities receive, all of our community partners receive too, our community engagement boards that I referred to earlier, and really laying out how, as if I'm an, a, a facility leader, a VA medical center d- director, how might I um, engage legally with the food banks in the area, the metropolitan Mm -hmm. transit authorities, you know, the social service organizations that are providing utility or housing assistance and interpersonal safety assistance to develop an MOU that's kind of templated from our general counsel's office, use an MOU to, to work with them. But, uh, and not only do that, take it a step further and, you know, allow them to allow us to share our customers bilaterally using technology once again to say hey if I if I'm a social worker in San Diego and I identify that my uh, veteran that I'm serving is food insecure is transportation secure how can I you know be empowered to then make that direct electronic referral to the food bank or to the Metropolitan Transit Authority so that they can get back to their next appointment and, and achieve better health and economic outcomes in their life journey and finally, We're kind of now we we haven't quite unlocked this yet, but how might we, you know, think about what types of these services might be reimbursable, which I think is an interesting way to ensure that these organizations can continue doing their work, but we share in the success of our of the patient. So it's really kind of thinking about it from a legal Uh, a contractual and an ethical perspective of how might we empower our facility leaders to engage with these organizations, and at the same time, enable the organizations to reach out and partner with these executive leadership teams at, at the tactical level, the 150 medical center systems out in the field.
0: Remind us, how many veterans, how many patients or clients do you serve?
1: We serve 9 million veterans every year out of a total population of over 17 million veterans.
0: 9 million. That's amazing. How often are these, when you screen or afford these social drivers of health, and I know you're just beginning this, but how often is that done? You know, I, I understand from speaking to colleagues, you know, right now it's really just an annual sort of screener and and, in annual wellness visits or that. So it's not, it's not every visit necessarily, or, or is it every visit?
1: Ours is every visit,
0: every visit. Every time
1: I I see my PCP or my specialty care providers, I'm asked the same questions about uh, my mental health. I'm asked the same questions about my food security. I'm asked the same questions about uh, my housing stability so I think that that is another wow. hallmark of the VA system is that we're gathering so many data points and with each touch point we have with our patients and customers that, you know, we can develop better baselines. Clinicians can develop, develop better baselines if, and, and, and proactively solve for those issues. Because if one thing happens, you know, when we're on, over the routine of care over a, the course of a year or several years, if we notice if one thing dip, then we can reach out proactively and wrap our arms around them.
0: You know, one question, John, that folks might be wondering about is the VA is is different than the public sector or or private sector of healthcare delivery in America. And one obvious difference, and and I've I've actually spoken to Ben Kleer about this in the in the podcast we did on on the whole health approach. My question to him was, why is the VA able to do something like this and deploy something like whole health across, like you say, 150 major Healthcare centers and and nine million vets, and yet you don't see that happening elsewhere, anywhere in healthcare. Nothing even resembling that level of sophistication, and operationalization, and scale and spread. And his answer was, "Well, you know, we're we're a capitated system. We're not driven by having to do things, you know, procedures or, or visits just to churn them through to make money. So payment is really value based. And that that was one, I think." really, really fundamental difference that maybe enables the VA to be such a a hotbed of innovation and transformation and such a leader in healthcare. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how do you see the VA being different? And then the second part of that question you could just jump into is, are there translatable lessons that folks outside of the VA can adopt and learn?
1: Oh, yeah. So I I definitely agree with Dr. Kliegler. I mean, we're we're just incentivized wholly differently than the private health systems are. And because of the way our insurance system is set up, right? And I think that that improves the experience on the veteran facing side, because they don't deal with different bills, and they don't have to go to different places for different providers. And you have to get referrals from your primary care provider similarly, but you know that your primary care provider is just going to refer you to the specialty care provider. It's part of the same system mm-hmm. and still incentivized the same way, right? So it's a, right. It, 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 and that's a good, good thing.
0: You just said something and I can't believe I've never thought about this or realized this. So the issue of payment of you go into the hospital, you go to a clinic, you get something done like an MRI or whatnot. The whole issue of payment is such an unbelievably complicated, frustrating experience for most of us. I just had a colleague who who literally left the hospital, a friend, and he's brilliant. And he literally, his experience is he's spending all his time just figuring out the whole insurance and payment and all that sort of stuff. So the question I have is, do vets not have to worry about that?
1: They have to worry about... Uh, It depends. So it depends on the priority group that you're in. And your priority group is determined by income thresholds or disability compensation percentage. And for example, if you're a priority one, then all of your health care needs are met by the Veterans Health Administration except for dental care. So you can get anything and everything done, and you're never going to receive a bill for it. If you have private health insurance or you are di- at different priority levels, you can still get VA care as a veteran, but you may have a copay, but the copays are very small compared to what the private sector may uh, require. So it's a wholly different system. And it is it is social medicine, you know, it is the only real large scale example that we have in the United States, apart from the county systems that are set up across the country. So. I think that's that's the important distinction, in the mission of mm-hmm. VA is, I think, what separates us, what incentivizes us, as opposed from money uh, and and the you know the need to drive the business line, yeah, um, for for lack of a better term, the one you know kind of stop with the direct care system remarks. Shifting over, we have community care network as well, which is part of our integrated veteran care experience. So. If I, for example, I was getting a colon, I needed to get a colonoscopy recently. And because I couldn't get an appointment at, in enough time, like the providers within the VDA system had a lot of uh, demand this summer for colonoscopy. So they, my primary care provider asked me if I wanted to go outside to a community provider said, absolutely. You know, where do you work? Oh, I found one just near your office. And it was a wonderful experience in terms of going to the private care provider getting the colonoscopy done. And then I received a piece of mail from the community care provider, but it says, this is, you know, the service that was provided, but you do not owe anything as the veteran. And so it's very clear in the way that they design those letters, but they're just letting you know that this service was performed as a means of record keeping. So there are, there are a lot of pain points in that process of course, Mm -hmm. because veterans sometimes do receive bills from different organizations, and it's not necessarily fraudulent, and it's just not done correctly in some cases. So we're trying to solve for those pain points on a daily basis, working with the team to ensure that that doesn't happen. But wholly, you know, the community care system is set up to increase access. So if I can't get uh, an appointment in specialty or primary care, either because it's uh, not close enough to where I reside, or it, it's not available for in a certain time period, we wanna make sure our veterans are taken care of in a timely way, and that's why that system exists.
0: It's brilliant, and how long has that been around?
1: I believe the Mission Act was signed in a law in 2018, but a similar system was in place prior to that um, for just this reason on, uh, to uh, you know, ensure that we ha- had health equity and capacity.
0: I just as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking wow that that is something I think the rest of us could take a lesson from because I, I don't know many systems that and I may be wrong about this but that would actually refer out of their own system if they were full. I can't imagine going to the doctor and they're saying well we got a 3 month wait for colonoscopies but you know what you can go to a whole different system or a whole different practice and and they've got a you know an appointment next week. I just don't I don't know that that exists outside of the VA. So kudos to you and any other specific lessons I mean, I, I think the trust thing is huge. I don't know how many systems have a trust index the way you do, and survey it quarterly as you all do, and are are tracking it and actually putting in initiatives and programs to increase it along with with other qualitative and quantitative customer or patient experience measures. So, but I'm just curious, what what other lessons or programs or initiatives?
1: I think that there's quite a bit. You know, we've we've done a fair amount of benchmarking with private sector organizations on customer and employee experience, and Mm -hmm. everyone we meet with are kind of shocked at how robust and advanced our practice is in customer Mm -hmm. and employee experience, which is, Mm -hmm. I guess, a good thing. But once again, we need to do better at, at, uh, at, at telling that story and painting more positive narrative, right? Yes. So, so I think there's quite a, a, a few things but there's there's also a lot of things that we can learn uh, to improve our systems as I mentioned earlier we've come a long way but uh, we have a long way to go still I, I think that you know VA we you know what we're endeavored upon now is improving the customer acquisition and experience and retention uh, because a lot of our first interactions you know as customers with VA is it's confusing. Uh, and so, and, and, and even some cases adversarial and we try, we want to try and smooth those pain points out so that it's one journey that we, and the secretary says it best. He's like, you know, we should not ask veterans to design their lives around VA. We should design hmm. around their lives. We should design VA around their lives. And I think that that kind of sets the tone for, you know, exactly what, I do and my team d- does every day is wake up and think about how might we improve this overall experience so so I'm not sure if there's a uh, besides the trust scores, I think there's a there's a few there's probably a, a few things that that folks can learn from us, so please reach out if you're interested and we'd love to talk to you,
0: okay. you know afterwards, if you can give me a, a contact or connection or some place that people can reach out to, I'll put it in, in the write up that goes out with this podcast right now, as I look at healthcare in America, I'm I'm hearing and seeing signs in a direction that isn't good overall. And I'm not talking about the VA, I'm talking about American healthcare and all the industries that make it up, whether it's the hospital industry, the insurance industry, pharmacy benefits management industry, medical device industry, you know, on and on. I'm curious as to your take, and I don't want to go out of bounds for you, you're a government employee and you have a huge responsibility as a leader, a national leader. I don't want to push you in any direction and and I apologize. I'll retract the question, but I'm just curious how you see it. And do you have any sorts of, as you look at American healthcare, you, outside of the VA, do you see any sort of message? Like what message would you share with, with hospital system leaders, or even with, you know, your colleagues at CMS and HHS about what I think, and this, this is my take on it, just with the hundreds and hundreds of interviews I'm doing is just we need a different type of leadership in my opinion. It's the reason I'm doing these these interviews, right? I, I'm looking for leaders like you and looking to leaders like you. And so I'm just, I'm curious how you see that, your gestalt and, and any sort of recommendations or thought you have for leaders across the country.
1: Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because I, I haven't necessarily thought about it before, but I, I do want to make sure I give you an answer. <laughs> So it's, it's hard for me um, because I'm so laser focused on improving the VA healthcare and benefits experience to think about it more broadly. But as my, my spouse interacts in the, the private healthcare system, as do my kids looking at the way that you have to sort through billing and scheduling and, and all these different things that I don't, I don't have to. I have one integrated mm-hmm. experience. I can actually go into my mobile app, using my fingerprint anytime, and just message my provider or uh-huh. um, check on the status of a claim or make sure that I'm refilling my prescriptions. Like I've never mm-hmm. had that in the private system, and I, I think we need to think if we can focus on the mission as our incentive and wellness as a proactive endeavor, not treating like creating a sick system, a sick person system, but a well person system, Hmm. Um, thinking about whole health, thinking about addressing the health related social needs and social drivers of health before, you know, you have to come in for a specialty care appointment. I think that's, that's what we should be thinking and designing for not what, what investors are, uh, are rewarded. Right. So, so that i think that's that's my mantra as a as a as a human really but uh, i but i think if we apply some of those types of values to the broader system then maybe we we could get better results but like i said i just don't know enough about it because i'm i'm, I'm so uh, so driven and focused on improving our own system and experience
0: yeah i'm just going to say i couldn't agree more with you in terms of refocusing or or then clearly calls it widening the aperture so in addition to the sick care system, we do have to widen it to wellness. And, and actually, it's interesting you say that. I have interviewed Neil Batra from Deloitte, and they've been putting out some just amazing studies and articles, actuarial studies, showing from even from a financial perspective, we, we can't dig ourselves out of these costs through better chronic disease management. What we need to do is actually prevent chronic disease. And, and to your point, the way to do that is to focus on wellness. So I, I think there are multiple arguments for what you just said, and it, it makes perfect sense.
1: Well, yeah. No, thanks so much for you know having me on. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about what we're doing, and happy to always share with anyone who who wants to to connect with us.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, John Bustler, the the chief experience officer in the VA system, for taking the time to be with us today, and. As I do every episode, I conclude by thanking all the folks out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients and and those of you who are supporting those who are directly taking care of patients. I, and we truly appreciate you for what you do and and recognize how critically important your work is for individuals and families, our communities, our societies. And John, just want to thank you and your colleagues for your service to the country. This is Zev Newworth on Creating a New Health Care. My friends, until next time, be well.